Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's beautiful. Yes, we are. I'm Alex. When you walk through darkness, you always look to find the light, the bright lights of a Hollywood television studio. And what's that you're wearing? Your best dress, because you're a star. I'm Justin. This isn't the 50s. I'm Pete. Wait, well, hold on. Uh, we're gonna, well, we'll come back to this. We're talking it about is. Riverdale season seven, episode 15, chapter 132, Miss Teen Riverdale. Now, if you haven't watched the episode, go watch it. We're definitely going to get into spoilers, but brief bit of recap here. We are in the 1950s in Riverdale. I think Pete was specifying we're not taping this podcast in the 1950s, right, Pete? No, I just mean that, like, they're pretending this is the 50s, but they're doing things that are, like, cool now, but wouldn't fly at all back then, unfortunately. And it's, you know, it's kind of a crazy in-between of, like, when does this really take place? You know what I, I mean? I agree it's with like you. I have to jump ahead. This is, this is the 1950s. first time Riverdale has ever done anything anachronistic is this episode. 132 episodes in really breaks the reality of the show. Why don't we talk about the recap? I would also say it's Pete's wishful thinking that this Mm. is in the 50s when we all know it's the 50s, baby. (laughs) Well, let's get into the recap. So they are in the 1950s. Betty and Veronica, as of last episode, struck up some sort of relationship that doesn't really get too much pick up this episode. But just so you know, that's going on. Cheryl and Tony are dating. Kevin and Clay are dating and trying to create a musical based on Archie in the previous episode. I'm forgetting at this point. It's been so much time. But 
Yes. That didn't quite work out, and it led to a big revelation about Kevin's parents getting divorced. All the gang came together for him. Also doesn't play too much into this episode. But what does play into this episode is one of the big plots of the season, that Ethel's parents were murdered by a maniacal milkman, and she in turn killed the milkman and put a bow on that mystery, I guess. I Solves forever. I also say I don't think you have to say maniacal milkman. Just saying milkman implies. Uh, hey, come on, crazy. Just milk door to door. Come on. Just drinking milk seems <laughs> just. What year is yeah. it? Am I right? <laughs> Anyway, she killed him, and she was living with the Coopers, then was sent to the Sisters of the Quiet Mercy, then came back to live with the Coopers, mostly so Alice Cooper, Betty's mom, could lord it over Betty and spend all her time concentrating on Ethel as the good kid of the house instead of Betty, who she's very mad at and hates for a variety of reasons. Betty is also not very happy with her, but Betty, in turn, has started up a newsletter, a zine, if you will. I believe that's the 1950s mm. term. For very fifty. Yes, for young kids to write in and air their It's an advice column. It's like the, you know. The, yeah, it's a, it's a zine. It's a zine. No, a zine. no, no. A, a zine is like zine an is edgy magazine for, with poetry magazine, yeah. and different stuff, where mm-hmm. this is an advice column where you write into a fake person like, and they give like you a, advice. It's like a printed out blog, which, again, is a very 1950s sort of thing, yeah. right? Pete? Yeah, they invent a lot of words in this uh, show for, uh, for stuff. So, Pete's uh, Pete. just so sad about this. If he thinks this is sad, this this whole thing is sad. We're counting down episodes, and we'll never get out of the fifties. And the show's just going to end right. in the fifties. Well, all that, all that, all that. I do want to talk about that in a second, but just to re- wrap up the recap here. So, the other big plot line that you probably need to know about this episode is Fangs and Midge are together. Midge is at this point, I believe, sixteen months pregnant, something like that. Uh, and not hasn't started to show exactly yet, but that's something they've been grappling wow. with. The plan that Tony had was Fangs has to become real famous in like four weeks. So far, that hasn't happened necessarily, uh, but they're still working things out, and that's something we deal with in a big way in this episode. Um, also, there are boys on the show, but who cares about them? Doesn't matter. Not they're a bunch of goofballs. So come on. Uh, here's what I wanted to say, Pete, about this episode as a whole, and this ties into what you're saying. I definitely had a palpable feeling watching this episode of like, Ooh, after this, there's only five episodes left. What's the plot of the show? Where are we going? What's going on here? But at the same time, I loved it. I, I mean, I, let me say, Pete's the king of the anxiety of the season series coming to a close. But I also felt in this episode, I was like, what are we doing? I mean, it's a great <laughs> episode. Great episode, great yeah. relationships on display. Love all that. But I was also like, we got to get to the business here, mm-hmm. gang. No, Let's don't go. get me wrong. I love Ethel Muggs, but also just like, you know, it, it, we're having a, a, you know, a, you know, Miss Universe pageant or whatever the fuck this is. Uh, you know what I um, mean? I like, believe it, it's this is the Miss 50s. Teen Queen Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're making commentary about how bullshit this is and men shouldn't judge women, which is right. But we're in the 50s, so it would be like, why are you talking? You know, so, like, it's a little maddening, but... Very progressive, which is enjoyable, but it's like, stop lying to me, you're in the 50s. So I, you're I'm, very just much you. I'm just losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. So this is the thing that I, I think we're kind of getting at here in very, very varying ways. And I do think 
from a totally logical, clinical perspective, it's really fascinating to look at this stuff in terms of a flow of a season, and in particular, a final season, where this sort of episode, I think, would have felt very different if it was in the first 10 episodes of the season. If you watch that, because I think this is a great episode, great performances. I love the idea of, I know I was joking about it before, but that we're focusing on the female members of the cast, including Majin Amick, including Molly Ringwald, including you bring in Zoe de Grand Maison as, uh, oh my gosh, Evelyn Evernever. Evelyn Ever. Uh, yeah, focusing on episode. Ethel. And everybody like gets some really good meaty, dramatic work to do in this episode or very fun stuff to do in this Ethel episode. Ethel Song kills it. Ethel Song, beautiful. Beautiful. Shadow Purser, Emmy Award-dominated Shadow Purser, giving her some time to, like, really shine in this final season. That's great. And I love... Yeah. I laughed out loud so many times at the boys completely being on the side. It pops just hooting and hollering, being the stupidest idiots in the entire world. So goofy. I couldn't believe that's what they were doing in this episode. It was like dialogue straight out of like a Jughead double digest. Mm -hmm. But it was great. And the whole point being like, we're going to give vibrant inner and outer lives to the female members of the cast and deliberately push the male members of the cast to the side. Great idea for an episode. Very fun. But again, if it was in the first half of the season, I don't think we'd have an issue here. As is, knowing there's five hours left, we want to get to oh my whatever you consider. You know how many is. hours are left? Like how yes. many minutes? What are we actually talking about? Break it down for me. Great question, uh, Pete. So, yeah. 210. We, I was going to say 210 yeah, 210. Minutes. Exactly. Yeah, so 42 minutes. Quickly. Yeah. 42 uh, minutes, five episodes. There you go. It. And then what do we do with the rest of our lives? What happens what after the 200? With the rest of our lives. Watch <laughs> Riverdale and Pretty Little Lyles. Probably not bad. Oh, no, I like your, that you threw that in there. What? Does your shirt say the original beef? No, my shirt, if we're going to take a side trip there, my shirt says the original burf. Oh. I know. Yeah, He's I'm, got a piece of, of swag that I am a very jealous of from <laughs> the TV show The Bear, season two, episode one, Shouts. But that is not what we're talking about. No. We're, are, we, are we talking about ships, hugs? No, we're talking about ethyl mugs. And that's what this episode is all about. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Just to kind of wrap up this portion of the discussion, I think whatever you feel – the main thrust of Riverdale is, is it the murder mysteries? Is it in this season, the fifties teen revolution? Like you talked a lot about Justin, is it the ships, whatever you think it is, that's not what they're dealing with in this episode. Exactly. Like definitely the whole fifties teen revolution thing. Like it pushes that forward, but it feels like it pushes it forward by inches rather than feet. And you want to feel that propulsiveness in the last couple of episodes, I think that's what we're not exactly getting here. But let me throw out, I feel like, I bet this is the last episode mm-hmm. that isn't sort of setting up for the finale. Like we, it, now it's time. They have a lot to solve. 1950s stuff, um, all of the, like Tabitha, <laughs> all of that leftover stuff, Jughead's hat, uh, the Milkman stuff. Like there's so much left to do. And it's not that they can all do that in an episode. They have to sort of have an episode about two of those things and then two others. So, Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot to move through. And I bet we're going to start to move into that finale 
uh, finale right. rack, as it were. Maybe. And Pete, you raise your hand so you go, and then there's one more thing I want to say about this. Okay, great. So let's say that we're in this in the 50s, and this is the, the actual 50s of this show, right? Wouldn't you at least want to see what the present's going to be if the 50s are this pro- progressive and this awesome? Like, well, what does that mean for the future? Don't you want to get a glimpse of the what Utopia that would be? Actually- they're heading towards? Yes. Yeah. That's what we're living in right now, Pete. I dare you. Name one thing bad about 2023 right now. (laughs) Uh, One last thing that I wanted to say, just because this is me prognosticating in the future after the, well, the current after the episode as people are talking about it. Even with everything we're saying, this is not a filler episode. Like, I feel like people are going to call it a filler episode. It's an evergreen episode. An evergreen episode. Yes. Filler episode is something that like does not matter for the plot at all. It is literally just there to fill time for whatever reason, budget reasons or otherwise, or like they couldn't get the main cast, something like that. Um, so it's not that. They are pushing things forward, but they're just focusing in a different direction. And I think there are other directions we would hope that they focus on in these final five. But we'll see. Well, I would go even go beyond that and say this is a fantastic episode of Riverdale. Technically, very one of the better written episodes of maybe the whole series. Like, I thought a lot of just the the Betty Alice stuff was so good. Uh, Everything felt like it was hanging together. We were really feeling the Fangs Midge relationship. I feel like I would live. I would live and die for these two. These are our. This is our like. Seen queen, king and queen over here. So that's let's really that fun. Let's, let's start with that, actually. I mean, that's not a minor part of the episode, but that's kind of the beat plot that's running through it. And I was really surprised. I think they're fun together. We've definitely talked about how Fags and Midge are cute. We love the new Midge. She's great. Um, and it's fun to have Fags as this 50 rocker. But like you're saying... Over the course of the episode, Midge is discovered to be pregnant by Alice, kicked out of the beauty pageant competition, sent to the Sisters of the Quiet Mercy, and Fangs goes nuts, basically, because he can't do anything about it. It's There's a non-mild amount of racism coming from Midge's parents against him. Yeah. Um, he is frustrated and angry. They have this heartfelt phone call where he's like, I'm not going to let you stay in there. We're going to be together. I love you. And she says, I love you back. It was it was very sweet and sad and pretty powerful. I, w- I was very surprised how touched I was about that. Uh, what about you, Pete? Yeah, it was a very touching phone call, but it's a horrible plan. You can't leave her there with the sisters. They're insane. They're going to torture her. They're going to hurt her. You got to get her out of there. Like ha- having her chill there while Fangs gets famous is a horrible plan. Uh, Ethel should be like, we need to break her out. I know what it's like. Kind of rally the troops a little bit here because... It's uh, it's that's a bad idea. I'm I'm really worried about them as a couple. Okay, Pete, that's funny you say that. What did you think of the announcement of the Sisters of the Quiet Mercy spinoff coming out of Riverdale? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you couldn't pay me to watch that. It's also set in the 1950s. I, <laughs> you needed another selling point. I'm sort of into it. I think it's going to have like a sound of music energy. Mm-hmm. You know, the hills are like alive, really so. dark. Yeah, the, the, with the sound of pep. I, I should have written this down. I could be wrong about this, but when Fags was like, I'm going to break her out of Sisters of Quiet Mercy, I think, was he talking to uh, Veronica and Tony when he said that, who are the two people who went to go free Cheryl back in the day when she was trapped in Sisters of Quiet Mercy? And they like give each other a little look in that scene, being like, oh, that's tougher than you think it is. Which, oh, that's I don't know. fun. 
yeah, I could be wrong about that. Maybe it was two other. But characters. that's messed up. That it's okay that you guys do it, but Fangs wants to do it. And you guys are like, "Come on, calm down, calm down." Well, but they don't remember. I think what that was was like that was a nod to that previous storyline. Whoever it was, there was definitely a look that went on there. So, well, and what I think is especially amazing about this relationship that we're talking about is it it takes sort of the the Pat Grease style relationship and really makes us care about it. it goes beyond the cliche in a way that i just didn't expect i did not expect to care about these two so much and it's also the sort of the relationship that has the most drama bound up in it a lot of the other ones are either not happening or uh different relationships are happening that aren't super dramatic they're just sort of flirting flirting or it's sort of set in, in what's you're happening tra- so you're trying to tell me there's not enough drama in cheryl and tony's relationship for you you well, think but that's what a- they do time-wise here is they dare take, you sir there's there's like little nods to cheryl and tony obviously they're together everybody knows yeah. they're together they're i mean it's they're very like crumb like but maybe there's something going on with betty and veronica at this point maybe not we really don't know like i think it's up to you how you want to interpret that but that's there there's nothing with barchi there's nothing with any of the other ships that are going on and i think they backburner those not just to focus on the female cast like we talked about but also to bring things and midge to the forefront and give them some time to shine in this episode which is nice I agree. And just a little note on, about the Veronica thing. I can't believe they did all that heat set up in the last episode. And in this episode, not even a, a wink to that. <laughs> not even a gesture. I couldn't believe that. Where well, does that leave us with it? I, I don't know. I mean, it could be classic Riverdale of like they brought it up and then don't. And then they're done. Or next episode, they're like... Well, back to Archie. Here we go. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Or they could pick it up in the next episode. We really don't know at this point. I, I do think there was that one scene in the locker room where Betty is finishing getting dressed and Veronica comes in. I think that was their one directorial nod to it in a certain way, you know, where they're like, this happened in the previous episode. We need to reference it somehow, but we do not have it in the script. So just look at each other really hard in this scene. I think that was on us and the natural chemistry uh, between the, them that like that. Cause I don't think that was in the scene at all. I think it was just like a friendly conversation. But when I first saw that scene, I was like, here we go. This is heating up. I was like, Oh, just doing some normal business about the beauty pageant? <laughs> okay, okay. I see this tension, but I'm it's in my brain mostly. The other thing that I'll throw out there that may or may not have affected this, and this is me probably getting my timing totally wrong, but I know like the writer's strike happened at some point and they had they already mm. had all of the scripts locked down. I think I think this one was not one of them. I know they had filmed 14 before the writer's strike. I don't know if they had done 15 as well. Um, but mm, I think definitely at least like at least 17 through 20, if I remember correctly, were post writer strike. We'll see if that affects anything. Maybe not. Obviously, everybody was preparing for it for a while. And by the way, that's a good uh, little side note that I want to throw in here, uh, just not having necessarily to do with the show or anything. But as we know, the writer strike is going on. The Screen Actors Guild strike is going on. We 100% support both of those strikes. I know we are yeah. doing a recap podcast in the middle of this, um, but this is allowed under the strikes. Like SAG has specifically come us out and said, hey, you're doing something. We're doing a podcast. We're talking critically about a show. 
feel free, go for it. Um, so I just want to make it abundantly clear for all of our listeners that we support SAC, we support WJ. They're fighting not just for like things that are above and beyond, but basic human rights at this point. Um, but at the same time, we like talking about Riverdale and we support them. We like talking about the writing. We like talking about the acting and it wouldn't happen without them. Or in other words, we ain't no scabs. <laughs> no, we're not. It's also not how scabs work. People throw that term around very liberally. Um, yes. All right, so that's Fangs and Midge. Uh, let's talk about the main storyline, though. There's a lot of stuff going on here in a lot of different directions we can go in. But I think the Betty Ethel stuff is the main stuff. Uh, what, and Alice, th- I would argue, the Betty Alice, Alice Ethel. Yeah. What would you think uh, about all this? It uh, it started off real sad when Ethel was like, I'm your mom's assistant. And it was like, oh, no. But they really did set us up from, you know, zero to hero there. It was quite a uh, fun arc for Ethel. I agree. Like, just great wish fulfillment and the fact that she was able to have this amazing song to win over not only the crowd in the at, in the episode, watching Miss Teen USA, all the boys at home who are literally falling over, all right, pops, falling over into it. And then us audience, we were like, this is undeniable. I feel like the it's song very hard. clinched it for her. I mean, if the. Well, it's you know, Betty's mom was so moved by the song, she was just like crying back there and it melted her heart. And she was like, I know what I must do. Well, I yeah, disagree I- with that, but let's talk about that later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, no, we we can talk about that now. The one note that I was going to give was Who Will Love Me As I Am is the name of the song. It's from Sideshow, the musical. So, Pete, if you were upset about anachronism, that is not a 1950s song at all. That is a modern musical. And you can tell that from the way the music is. But it was beautiful. Let's jump to the end since we're talking about it. So Alice ultimately pulls... I mean, she doesn't exactly do like a a Moonlight, uh, La La Land type thing. Exactly. But yes, Betty wins the competition for whatever reason, whether it's manipulation on the Cooper's part, manipulation on the Troika. Was she the one that did the tightrope walking? No, no, Veronica. Veronica, they cut it at the end. That was so funny the way they did that. I was like, I was like, Veronica, great job on the tightrope. I was like, wait, what? Very cool. I love, again, the boys' reaction to, like, that tightrope walking was hot or whatever they said. <laughs> yeah. But the, what Betty's talent was was reciting the Gettysburg Address. Yes. Which the, one of the boys says, which I was like, amazing. The Gettysburg Address, absolutely The Gettysburg. Yeah. Do you think, did she wear, like, uh, did she dress as Abraham Lincoln for that portion? Like, wore a beard? How could she and, not? Oh my How God. could she not? Maybe it was they... on the just the makeup effects she wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Whatever Lincoln it is, whether she run on skill or otherwise, Lincoln. yes, she never go full Lincoln. I say, but ultimately, Alice gives it to Ethel, and then there's a fantastic scene at the end of the episode where Alice reveals this to Betty and says, "Did I do that because I didn't want you to win, table. or did I do that because I fell for Ethel?" I guess you'll never know. So it sounds like we have a disagreement here, Pete. 
you think she legitimately threw a motion game to Ethel. Justin, you feel otherwise? I have two sort of ideas. They here. cut uh, to her like three times crying behind the curtain, bro. She was clearly uh, struggling with the choice she was going to have to make. She knew what was coming, and, but the song got to her. It melted the I, ice around no her way. heart. This is uh, one of the deleted scenes. They put this online earlier, but there's a scene. Evelyn, for her performance, does onion cutting. Like, she cuts up a crazy amount of onions. So mm. that explains why Alice was crying. Yeah. Because of Evelyn's onions. Yeah. Evelyn's onions. She's all onions in this episode, which I All onions, baby. Love. But yeah, staying with the Alice thing, I think there are two things, two paths. I think there's... We get a lot in this episode about like what Alice, Alice wanted to be um, a flight attendant or you think it's because Alice doesn't think Betty deserves it. I think it's a little bit like, wow, if Betty wins this, she's going to achieve my dreams. And I think she is vindictive enough to not want that to happen. That's sort of the uh, dark parent uh, take. The other take I have is a little more conspiratorial, but we get a scene with um, Alice and Hal talking about because Hal comes back and he's like, hey, Betty and Veronica are pressuring me to have Ethel win. And, yeah. and Alice says something and it's very under-referenced, mm-hmm. but she's like, they'll investigate uh, Ethel and you know what will happen or you know what will come out. Some Brenda star will come digging around. And I think that alludes to the fact that maybe Hal is somehow involved in the killing of Ethel's parents. Mm-hmm. either as the milkman murderer or sort of some puppet master of milkmen. And I think Alice purposefully got Ethel, chose Ethel to win to get Hal busted so that she can escape from the life that she feels because of her conversation with Betty wow. trapped in. Mm. So I think this wow. is a master plot of Alice to get Hal caught and so that she can go live the life that she wants to live, which as we but- all know is on the back of FP's it's a motorcycle. Mm. Yeah, but except we're not going to see that. Except yeah, we're, we're never going to see yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what if what you're saying is true? But the song moved her so much she couldn't go through with her evil plan. No, uh, the, with the evil plan is what she did go through with. Well, and, but uh, I think this might lead yeah. to her be, dream. She achieves her dream. Maybe we leave her at the end of this series as a flight attendant. I I love that idea. I will say that definitely stood out to me as well, that whole scene. My first reaction was Ethel is their child or something is maybe something that we're going to find out, which sounds crazy to me. But uh, to throw out another crazy theory that I saw bumping around this week, we were talking about this in our Patreon Slack. People were wondering what happened to large baby Anthony. And somebody had thrown out a theory that Fangs and Midge's baby will be big baby Anthony. Even though genetically that makes absolutely no sense to go from Tony and Fags to Midge and Fags, I could 100% see Riverdale doing that. Same as I could see that, like, Ethel is a love child of Hal and somebody else or something like that. Or it could be Hal killed their parent, killed their parents for whatever reason because he's the Black Hood and uh, Alice doesn't want that to come out. So there's a lot of possibilities there. I really do hope that was not just come digging in in terms of it's embarrassing that Ethel is living with us. I hope there's something more going on there because we've had so many hints that Alice and Hal are hiding something this season. I feel like that's got to pay off in some way. Well, and also in that scene, Alice says that she's been spent her whole life cleaning up Hal's messes. Mm-hmm. So 
I do think that's where we're headed um, from that storyline perspective. And maybe Alice really pushing to get Ethel under the house is, excuse me, just like a guilt that she has um, for being complicit in perhaps the death of the Muggs family, the Muggs parents, that is. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, there are a bunch of other great things here. I love Tony in this episode. I mean, I love Tony in every episode, but so funny. There was the line, uh, the when they're walking around in the circle and Tony says she doesn't need somebody telling her how good her backside is. And she says, I know how she played. That made me laugh out loud. Very funny line. Well, let's just say, and again, credit to the writing. This is one of the funniest episodes um, I've seen in a while, maybe of the season. The Evelyn Everdever stuff is just all bangers. The fact that she's sitting there being like throwing out all these nasty lines. And they're like, Evelyn, who invited you to this? Like the cut back and forth to all that I thought was so funny and just so well done. Evelyn is such a great little spoiler in the mix character mm-hmm. that I, I think it's great. She was great. The whole mix was great. Uh, like we talked about a lot, the language was out of control in this episode. There's so many things, and I haven't looked them up, but like there are so many things of like that people can't possibly have said that. You're making I, it up. The goon from Saskatoon. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wrote that one down. Yeah. The goon from Saskatoon was hysterical. I would like to say, as far as like funny parts, the Ethel dream sequence where she was like, Man, I wish my parents were alive. And she's like, they are! They are! Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Oh, we get yeah. a little bit of Ethel head in the scene as well, where he's like, of course I'm your boyfriend, Ethel. Very cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was very nice. All very fun. Um, uh, I also oh, wanted to talk oh, yeah. about, uh, I think, just this very small thing, I think Dilton is the ultimate utility player this season. We get the little nod of him replacing Ethel as Alice's assistant. And I think, and I don't know if this is too early to say, I think Dilton has replaced Chick as the true hero of Riverdale. Mm, I wow. thought you were going to say, I think, and this is just a theory, Dilton has a giant hog. Yeah. <laughs> just a theory. Brother, just throwing it brother, out there. That's not a theory. That's cold, hard, <laughs> girthy fact. <laughs> he is great. Him showing up and him standing there with a the coffee and just like, eh? Eh? Great. I thought he was going to say Dilton was the original floating baby. <laughs> It could be. All of these things are true, guys. Just yes, pay attention everything's to accurate. Signs are there. Look back at the footage. One of those babies has a giant baby hog. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, I also wanted to throw out another thing that felt like a reference. After they fi- found out that Midge left the competition, there's a line, which was very funny, where I, th- I think it was Evelyn actually says, did Midge die? die? Yeah. yeah. Made great. me laugh out loud. But also maybe like a sneaky reference to the fact that Midge did die in the main continuity. So throwing that out there. Also, Pete, this must have driven you crazy. Veronica inventing birth control pills. Oh, <laughs> Which... I love that. What are we doing? Why are you so upset about this? I well, don't I mean, get it. It's funny. It's, it's funny, funny when they do it. It's not such a thing we should do. It, it just like a word is what's the line there? I mean, you can't just spend. We have so much time left with these people. We can't just do, you know. Well, let me throw out a galaxy brain theory to you that I 100% think is wrong, right? But oh. they invented birth control pills this episode. She invented 4D theater, which, mind you, existed in some ways in other places. Uh, the previous episode, uh, Kevin invented frenemies. We've had a lot of stuff like that. It. So it could be goofy, anachronistic jokes for the audience, 
Or is it the characters regaining their memories of the present in some way? I think that's a great call because it's starting to get more on the nose as it goes. Like Mm -hmm. each thing. And if it is the kind of thing where like, and we should revisit this, like the idea that one of the characters doesn't have their memory or does already has their memories. The character Mm -hmm. that had Bughead's hat or Jughead's hat. Sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So sorry. Um, you're like if sorry. that is Don't the pretend. wedge that's opening up everyone's brains, and if that is Tabitha, maybe is sort of like the her work is starting to bear fruit in that their their memories are coming back. Again, the Midsummer Night's Dream uh, proposal that I put forward. Yeah, Pete, you're just nodding your head. You don't believe it? No, I don't. Not, this is all insanity. It is all insanity, but it's also been insanity for seven seasons so far. So that's nothing new. Uh, let's let's talk about this a little further. Then I know we've been bouncing around this a bit, but as uh, I think we've talked about most of the major points of the episode, everything was well filmed. But it was it was a very straightforward plot. Oh yes, what were we going to say? Justin? I was going to say the direction in this episode I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, a cut above. There's that great over a, a top shot looking down at uh, the girls walking with books on their heads. Uh, there's some great transition this episode, transitions in this episode. I thought it was just a really well-filmed episode, so shout yeah. out to that. And uh, I'll also throw out there, I'd forgotten about this one since I didn't write it down in my notes, uh, but the Betty Veronica coercing Hal to do their do what they want, I thought that was a really good scene. That was very well played. Um, I really like the like, use of Hal in this episode, and Hal and Alice yeah. hosting the show, the whole conceit of... Oh, yeah. Riverdale, their teen beauty queen pageant is being broadcast nationally. That felt like a classic, excuse me, classic Archie comic story that 100% yeah. would happen. So that tracked for me. I thought that well, was Well, cool. and uh, shouts to Kevin as the crooner. Oh, uh, dude, when, when they were the like, crooner. hey, Kevin's going to sing. That was a cool buildup for that. And that was great. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, yeah. I think the way that this, their beauty pageant ran, which feels insane to us, like Pete's been saying but is actually very normal how beauty pageants, things that still happen in our modern world are just like what happened in this episode. Betty's mom's I, whipping people. He's lit, She's literally whipping them. Stop yeah. whipping them. She's hitting them like with a ruler or something, right? Yeah. She's not Indiana Jones thing. in that scene. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Cur- current story. reference. Question yeah. mark? Still, I know. You know. It's like she has some sort of impossible mission to get these girls <laughs> ready to be a teen queen. Uh, I also want to throw out something. This goes to you, Pete. Um, I feel like Betty and Veronica in this episode, and maybe sort of what we've been building to, they're bughead. They are the ones who are investigating. They're the ones making stuff happen. They're a great partnership and duo. We got some romantic things happening um, in the previous couple episodes. Are you getting Bughead energy as our sort of Bughead um, uh, radar uh, on the on the podcast? I, 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 I hope you're trying to extend an olive branch. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where the answer is no, but I appreciate what you're trying to say. And anytime we got the Betty and Veronica on screen together, it's it's great. You know, it is nice and enjoyable. And uh, their chats and the way they kind of check in and stuff is is awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope for more of it. But you can't. Um, there was a crime fighting duo that was just, you know, unparalleled. Mm. Sort of a Batman and Robin. 
It's better than that. Hmm. Better than the Batman and Robin. Wow, they're pretty classic. Um, all right, well, uh, in the time we have remaining, I think we've kind of sped through this episode a little bit. I'd love to just very quickly talk about like prognostication for the last couple of episodes. I know we bounced around it a little bit, but... I, th- I think it's pretty clear what we all want to see, but what do you think we're actually going to see in these last five episodes as we head towards the end? Pete, not not wishes and hopes and dreams, but the reality of what Riverdale is, what do you think is going to happen? What's going to happen is... rainbows, flowers, and fuzzy bunnies away. Let's get down to real shit. Right? <laughs> What's going to happen is they're going to keep us in the 50s, and then at the end they're going to say thanks and kick us in the nuts. And it's just going to be like, all right. <laughs> wow. Why, why, they, thank you. Thank you. All of every cast member will come through and kick Pete LePage oh. right in the nuts. Uh, an AI Pete LePage will be on the screen. <laughs> I don't care. At this point, I'll take like 20 seconds in the present. Just give me give me something. Give you're, me a little. You're upset. Uh, uh, what about you, Justin? What are the, uh, I guess we've transitioned to what do you want to see in the last couple of episodes? Or what do you Well, do? Here's, here's my prediction slash wants. I think we're going to move Based on what the sort of little uh, crumbs we saw in this episode, I think we're going to move back into the uh, the Milkman murder spotline. Mm-hmm. Nope. I think we're going to um, start to resolve that. There's going to be some big revelations there. That's going to open things up to getting back to the ships. I think we're going to save that for like the second to last episode. And then the last episode is going to be sort of uh, the, the coda to the series. And it's going to be about the whole crew coming together. Uh, the, Sorry, the milk going back. The Milkman murders is going to pair with the teen revolution stuff that I've been sort of saying. And then the final episode is going to be that like Midsummer Night's Dream. They all realize who they are and it all fades away and they they choose to uh, stay in the 50s and uh, make Pep make Pep <laughs> make Pep professionally. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think the big thing is everybody is kind of wondering what is going on with the ships, what's going on with the plot. I do think we're going to get back to that probably in a big way or at least peppered out over the past uh, last couple of episodes. Um, the show is built on mysteries. I don't think they've forgotten that. Like people say, oh, God, the writers forgot that thing. Sometimes they choose not to do a thing, but I don't think they forget to do stuff. They are like, oops, forgot that's what our show is about. Sorry, guys. So we're going to get some sort of mystery elements in some way towards the end of the season. I do think we're going to get some sort of resolution in terms of ships. I've certainly heard a lot of rumors and things about how, what may or may not happen that I don't want to talk about here. But ultimately I think like, like I've talked about, as long as there is a good emotional resolution for the characters, it ultimately doesn't matter. The big one that I want to see that I feel like has been a lot of part of the discussion over the past couple of weeks is I want to see Aaron Westbrook, as Tabitha Tate, she is sorely missed, and a lot of people are starting to feel like she was shafted by this final season. I don't know what happened to her. I don't know why she is or is not on the show right now. Maybe it was her choice. Maybe there were budget cuts that was mutual. Maybe there was something nefarious going on there. Whatever it is, just in terms of the show, she is very much missed, and the important thing is, I think, we should see her back. We need, beyond anything else, like, Almost not necessarily more than any of the other relationship storylines, but the jab of the storyline is dangling at this point. It's something that they set up in the first episode and they need to resolve in some way. They set up that she's untangling these timelines. If they don't come back to that, 
in my mind, that is a big missed opportunity just in terms of the plot and points to something very weird happened behind the scenes. So I expect we'll see that in some way. Do you think we'll get this whole season and nobody's going to be in the walls in Cheryl's house? You think that's a possibility? Oh, my God. Great question. I, I think the last shot will be Penelope coming out of the walls and doing just fine. That would be amazing. Yeah. Maybe that's the way back to the present. It's through the walls. <laughs> through the oh, walls. Man. Oh, man. It's all Narnia thing. Very cool. Yeah, exactly. All right. Why don't we wrap up here? I think, Pete, you are the winner of this year's Missed Riverdale Teen Queen. Congratulations. You've got a oh, new car. Uh-huh. You've got a your scholarship. Your beautiful. Judge me. Yeah, it was I, I don't want your money. I don't want your fucking bullshit. You can't judge me. That's ridiculous. Thing yeah, Justin, do. your uh, reading of the Declaration of Independence was a little bit lacking, to be honest. The Declaration uh, of Justice. Wow, giving us notes after the judging. <laughs> That's this what is, you do, right? This For is next year? harsh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they rarely light up Miss Idaho and say, like, hey, you could have been a little bit better in the tactic. All right. <laughs> Well, regardless, before we wrap up here, what uh, do we talk about? Oh, yeah. What, what I would say, I want to say one more thing. I, yeah. Again, on the writing of this episode, this was such a great sort of short story of an episode with like a great twist at the end. Like everyone was sort of very fun and at the, the top of their character intelligence throughout the boy, the boys were was very funny. Like, I just think this was a, a, a very great episode on the writing side. I, the I twist at the end was really it was a it was a fun twist for sure. It was a fun twist. Yeah. It was really well acted. It was really well written. Again, yeah. sort of thing you can't get without actors and writers who are on strike fighting for their rights right now. So go and support them right. however you can. Before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about the MVP of the episode? Pete, who is your MVP? Well, uh, I got to give it to Betty. Uh, she killed it. Uh, it was Ooh, a, wow. quite a quite a Betty episode. And uh, yeah, I was uh, I, I thought her uh, to dialogue with her mom at the end was really nice. Nice. Justin, what about you? I'm going to keep it right in the Cooper family and give it up to Alice. I thought she had an wow. epic episode was able to be uh, a great villain, a character we also had sympathy for. It's hard to be all of those things. And carrying out the this sort of subterfuge and this revealing these very small little pieces of the mystery in a way that doesn't put it on Front Street, I thought was very well done. And, um, Alice, all, Al, Alice all day, air day. I think that's harder to say. <laughs> yeah, that is hard. I I'm going to give it up. You're going to keep it in the Cooper family. You're going to keep no, it in the Cooper not. family. Yeah, What's for going Hal. On? I'm going to give it up for Hal. This episode. <laughs> no, no, Lock and Monroe, great. I really did like Hal in this episode, but I'm going to give it up for okay. Ethel. I think Shannon yeah. Purser, like that talking song. About. Oh was my god! Just but yeah. there were multiple times like she got me choked up throughout the yeah. episode. Just the earnestness and the sadness that she's bringing through. What a big week for Shadow Purser between this episode. She also did an ad for potatoes, I think. Uh, she came yes. back as Barb from Stranger Things. And that was all. Every time I go into TikTok, people are like, what's going on right now? Barb is doing an ad for potatoes? This is weird. But it's a very fun yeah. ad. Um, maybe not quite as emotional as this episode of Riverdale, but I, I loved it. I love the focus on Ethel. I think bringing her to the forefront, really, really letting her act her heart out is great. And also, Ethel's relationship with Betty is great, but that's been a really fun Agreed. thing to see develop the season. So, I mean, it was a little problematic, a little bit. I mean, Betty was like, oh, what? You have feelings? Oh, I didn't even notice. I am sorry. <laughs> there is, 
I mean, this is a, too big of a time. I didn't see you suffering right next to me while I was living a Barbie dream over here. Mind you, this is too big of a topic to talk about right at the end of our podcast as we're about to wrap up here. But certainly there is a fair amount and there has been a fair amount over the course of seven seasons of our four main characters being like, hold on. I'm sad, but other people are sad. What's other people going? Yeah. can get sad. Main character right? syndrome because yeah. they are main characters. Yeah, they so, are actually main characters. They have a um, healthy amount of main character syndrome. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast, not Crowdcast, Facebook and YouTube. Come back out. We'd love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale After on Twitter, Riverdale Dark. I should have looked this up. We have a bunch of social outlets. Just find them. That's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll see you after dark. I forgot to say, shouts to Sex Craze Betty in this episode as well. Someone's talking about sex in the episode. She's like, what, 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 what? Oh, yeah, she was like, what, wait, what? How often? Just once or multiple times. Yes. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.